Hello, Dave. Oh, how's things? Good. It you seem surprised. Yeah. yeah. Right to the point. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I don't, I don't miss around. How's things? Good, good. Um, we're at Two Birds. We just realised it's probably three and a half years since we were... Wow. Not last year, but last year recording with, with Jane, who we'll introduce right now. Jane from Two Birds. How's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Good, thanks. It's a, a beautiful sunny day out. It's almost the weekend. It's going to be a sunny weekend. Life's good. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> we're due. We're due for one. Oh, I know. It's been cold, right? Um, I've got some news. That's weather done onto the news. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do things in reverse. Um, did you guys see the price articles this week? No. Talk to me. Uh, Jane, did you see these? People uh, selling kegs for $120 around Sydney. Conditional? Uh, as in, what does conditional mean? I'm, I'm like, we'll sell Houston's. you these $120 kegs no. if, right. No. Okay. If are, you ask me, I will sell you a $120 keg. That's the condition. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are saying they're aiming at, so this was Red Oak and it's not secret or anything. Mm. I think there's another brewery, um, so Crafty Pint did an article as well, where there's another brewery. I can't remember who that was or if they were mentioned, but it seems to be people are starting to try and undercut competitors with cheap kegs. Um, I remember yeah. going back six, seven years in the bureau days, talking to one of the bar managers there about putting on uh, Murray's beers. And at the time, to put on, I can't think of which beer it was. It might have been something like um, Spartacus. Or whatever it was, mm. remember that um, double IPA, Maybe. Spartacus, yeah. something like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I think it was five hundred ninety-five dollars for the cake, and now it's one hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> it's not. It's not Spartacus. I know, like, yeah. but yeah, I I don't know much about pricing at all. Um, Jane, how much can you say about this, or how much are you willing to say? And how does it work from your end? Yeah, look, I mean, it's I guess one hundred and twenty-five dollar keg to me. It's pr- pretty hard to cover your costs at that point in time um you know your excise depending on the alcohol can be kind of 50 to 60 bucks on a keg um your raw materials cost is actually by far the the least cost your labor costs are are pretty decent in all of that and then by the time you actually have to get the beer anywhere in this ginormous country that we live in it um yeah it can it can all add up and, and that can be you know pretty close to what you're looking at in terms of cost so um I think it's an interesting strategy. It, Are they purely just want to get into taps? Yeah. Yeah, right. I think so. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's not sustainable, obviously. It's kind of concerning if, if people start competing at that point. You know, we know that hospitality already is kind of uh, not a great industry for wages. And um, if people are starting to then, you know, all those costs are got to come from somewhere that, that people are cutting off. So... If you're running a tap room as Red Oak do in a, in a brewery and you're cutting that much cost, they're coming from somewhere and I guess that's kind of the concern. Yeah. Cheap. What's yeah. their presence like in New South Wales? Is I it waning? Is that why they're doing yeah, it? Yeah, right. yeah. It's, um, I mean, they're kind of one of those breweries that I always forget about. You know, they, they've kind of been there for so long and they're not really making noise and we obviously don't see their beer here and you don't see it much outside of their tap room. I've never actually been. Have you been to their tap room? Look, many, many years ago, it used to be uh, opposite my husband's office, and so we okay. used to go there, you know, on a r- sure. relatively regular basis. I've heard the beers are really good. Um, hit or miss is, is one thing I hear. Um, but when they hit, they're really good. So I don't know. We'll see how it pans I guess out. We'll see I guess. how it unfolds, yeah. I have a weird bit of news. I saw some litter on the way here. Go on. Uh, I saw a Rodenback can in Footscray. Yep. Um, Liquorland is now selling Rodenback, uh, which I just thought. 
what a weird thing in 2017. And then I saw a Furfies can down the road here. Nice. Someone had obviously dumped it outside the train station. Uh, um, on um, just off High Street, I saw a Pirate Life pail can like just mushed into a tree. <laughs> and I thought it's just a, we're evolving <laughs> as an industry, we are right? Evolving. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure we've talked about Furfy before. They're everywhere at the moment, but yeah. seeing Roden back in the same journey in the same situation was weird. I like it. Full disclosure: I didn't pick it up, and now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to a Panhead launch last week. Panhead are relaunching here in Australia. I'm wearing a T-shirt from them. Oh, it's Panhead on the back. Uh, they had like a, a printing company there printing T-shirts, and you could choose where you got the the branding on it. Oh, right. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, I thought they were custom making it so you could get like your name in the, oh, where the Panhead logo was, but you okay, couldn't. Okay, no, okay. Um, but yeah, I just went for the back patch, like a like a gang thing. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you wrote out on your uh, on your chopper. Yep. <laughs> Um, but they're brewing their beers at Malt Shovel Brewery and uh, I was talking to Mike, the founder of Panhead. Lovely guy. Um, we're going to have a show with him maybe for our Patreon guys coming Ooh, up soon. Give us some dollars and you'll get that. Yeah. Uh, but he was saying the first batch they brewed at Malt Shovel he thought was better than any batch he's made. Um, and he said, like he said he's learned things from them. So whether or not that was spin from his end, but he's, he's a pretty genuine dude. So uh, yeah. I like your facial expression throughout this, Jay. <laughs> I'm not going to relay them. But. <laughs> it's the joy of being uh, <laughs> just sound only. <laughs> Mike's an amazing, amazing brewer, so um, he's definitely taught us some stuff along the way. So I'm, I'm interested to hear him say that he's learnt some stuff from the from the malt shovel guys. So yeah, yeah. The Pilsner recipe that we've got coming up is pretty much a, a Mike uh, recipe that he was like, hey, do this, try this, give this a shot, and that's pretty much what it is. So, so in what context do you learn things from Mike? Has he did you contract brew for him? When no, no, just through you know general brewing catch ups and whatever else. So he's a he's a real open book and and a really great supportive dude. So yeah, from yeah. our last chat with him, he's like one of the most relaxed chats we've ever had. I think. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was a, a difficult chat. I think it was like maybe Australia Day or something. At it was an event house. at the tap house. It was busy, but he was just like as if it was one on one. Yeah, didn't care. Yeah, um, revisit that one. Yeah, I, I really like. Um, the beers that he makes as well, they're they're really intense. And as you said, the you know things like the Pilsner, um, he's made a couple of really good examples at, at Tuatara, which I always loved. I used to love going back to New Zealand and the Tuatara Hallers, reasonably priced and in supermarkets. I was like, yeah, this is it's great. So that was the first beer that I had last time I went to Wellington. Tuatara Hallers, mm-hmm. hmm. delicious. What else is on the news list? WA Beer Week is launching. Next week, yeah, sixteenth, I think it launches. Uh, if you're listening to this in WA, I'm sure you know all about it. Are you heading over? Are you guys doing anything for that? I don't believe so this year. Hmm. Um, I don't know too much about it. I just I just saw um, Nowhere Man are doing a, a Boilermaker event, and they are in my mind because I spoke to them about lagers this week. Um, they've got so they're a newish brew pub in in Perth. I think they're kind of right in the middle of Perth. Do you know? Uh, they're in Leederville, so one of the sort of suburbs in the yeah. inner inner part of Perth. Um, so Paul Wyman, who's brewed Jane, you're going to know this. It was at the Monk prior to this and Eagle Bay, I believe. No, Eagle Bay is not correct. Colonial. Um, so they're making three lagers and it sounds uh, like a really good, I guess, interesting brew pub. Um, I'd be keen to check it out, but they're doing a Boilermaker do you know, event. What, do you know what the lagers are? They're doing a, in their core range, they've got a Dark, a Steam and a Pilsner. And they've got a Fest beer as this one-off, so... 
Um, I guess similar to Blackman's Brewery in terms of doing multiple lagers. Lagers are back, man. Lagers are back. Yeah, and I think Blackman's are doing an event with them for Good Beer Week, uh, for WA Beer Week as well. So, um, yeah, read my article about lagers in the next issue of Beer and Brewer. You gonna make more lagers, out? Jane? What's that? Sorry. You gonna make more lagers? Well, so we do have a Pilsner coming out, um, and yeah, look, it's definitely a a space that we're looking at for sure. That's me out of news. Should we take a quick break and let's get some news all about two birds? Perfect. Welcome back. Uh, you released this beer, Passion Victim, recently, Jane. Can you tell us about it? Uh, yeah, I guess we were just trying to do the most summary thing that we could think of, which seemed like, uh, you know, stacks of passion fruit, stacks of passion fruity tropical hops and, you know, a decent 5% kind of base to it all, some wheat. Um, yeah, we've really been digging it. So this second, the second batch is out at the moment and we've upped everything on it so we dropped the bitterness the tiniest tiniest bit um but increased all the dry hop um and passion fruit addition as well so it's punchier in my mind is there pressure at the moment to release a canned tropical pale ale do you think do you feel that pressure (laughs) Uh, i don't know i mean i guess it was something that we wanted to do i don't know that it was necessarily something that we felt a lot of pressure to do i think very much in the stage where you have to have a can of some sort. Especially approaching summer. Yeah. Summer is starting to feel like beer in a can. Yep. So I feel like that's a that's kind of a must and if you're not playing in that space you're sort of getting left behind I think at this at this point in time especially with I mean East Coast Canning right obviously the the contract canning facility who are kind of facilitating this for the whole industry at the moment Um, so with that being available to you it it's pretty much a must. Mm. Um, I remember, so kind of recently you you expanded uh, your brewery into bringing sort of production in-house and, and packaging in-house. Uh, I remember I asked you at the time, would you can? And you said no. Well, you thought about it and you weren't going to. And then you obviously, that sort of market sort of shifted to, to everyone needing a can. And how did that decision come about for you guys? And, and why the decision to do, I think, taco in this one? Is that Yeah, so, yep, we... Again, last year decided that we needed to have something in that space. So everyone had kind of been asking us for taco in a can. So we decided to give that a shot. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, we decided to go with a, with a bottling line prior to any of this and, and still stand behind that as the, the decision that we made. Um, but yeah, taco seemed like a good, a good option. Um, and then this year, yeah, we decided to just try a kind of a totally different skew I guess try a totally different beer um, and the pickup's been phenomenal really has um, has taken off a lot more than I guess we'd probably expected really? what, so we'd, what we'd hoped yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> definitely not what we had expected um, how do you come about you said you, know, you want to do something tropical how do you I guess do you pilot batch something with passion fruit or you just go for it in a big batch and can it and hope so I guess with passion fruit in this particular case, so we did a beer called Passion Hop IPA um, about this time last year with um, as a collaboration and with someone else. And then 
we kind of took a little bit of a base of that, um, you know, turned down a few things, used the same hops in different, slightly different um, concentrations. So we had a base that we knew worked. We don't do any trialling, um, mostly because we're too lazy. Um, yeah, but so we had something that we thought was going to work. Like, you know, I said we upped things on this time round, so we didn't necessarily get it perfect or what we thought was the ideal um, flavour for it the first time around. So then we just tweak it on the second time and really happy with the way this one's come up and this is what we'll do for the third batch, which will be out uh, mid-December. Cool. So obviously, as you said, pickup's been great if you're doing a third batch already. Well, I guess the thing with cans, of course, and and kind of the limiting factor for a lot of people is you have to purchase, if you were going to print cans, you have to purchase 3,000 carton equivalents. So you have no choice but to commit to that. How many, sorry? 3,000 carton equivalents. Okay, so that's like 60,000 cans or something? Yes. Okay. That wasn't quick math. That was, <laughs> I think I just knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, I know that's that's the reason a lot of people go down the um, path of the, you know, silver can with the label. Um, it's not having to have that as the... As the thing, so yeah, it's like we knew we had to do that many. That's it's just a there was no choice in the matter because that's how many we got printed. So now tell us about the expansion because it's kind of you've you've had time for the dust to settle, um, but I guess not many people will probably know what that looks like in terms of volume for you guys and how it has changed your approach. Can you tell us a bit about that? How has the like how has the business changed in the three and a half years since we were here last? <laughs> Yeah, onto all of that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's do it. Let's let's go in the chronological order because it's much easier that way. Perfect. But um, yeah, in the last three and a half we'll years, put down microphones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got onto the train. I'm gonna order some food. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, three and a half years. It's just been a huge amount of change. Obviously, we've been around for about six and a half now. So there was decent changes in the first three, and then just staggering changes for me in the last three and a half. Um, so. We've been through two upgrades in terms of um, tanks and then the third upgrade effectively was when we just put in the bottling line. So we took over um, a second unit within our complex um, and we've punched some holes through the wall and some doors and whatever else and and, um, effectively we've created a... Uh, I guess a fermentation cellar in the existing building that you may be familiar with if you've been to the nest. And then in the uh, unit next door, we've created, I guess, our what we call the packaging hall. So um, bright beer tanks sit in there. So effectively, we filter or transfer from the fermentation cellar into um, the packaging hall um, where the beer is carbonated in those bright beer tanks. And then that's where our keg washer and filler is and also our bottling line. So the bottling line is does about 3,000 bottles an hour. So for the tank sizes that we've got, we can kind of do about 900 or 1,000 cartons in a day. Um, and so we're running it two or three days a week at the moment. And that's given you the ability to do uh, special specialty runs of bigger bottles. Uh is that going to be sort of something going forward for experimentation for you guys? Yeah, definitely. We're um, we're playing in the 500ml bottle space there, so doing some of the, um, I guess, limited release stuff. Uh, we've got a true seasonal range, so a range that comes out to match the season. So the spring saison is out at the moment. Um, Summer Pilsner's due out 1st of December, and that's four-pack 330ml bottles. Um 
and then yeah obviously playing in cans as well um, but yeah definitely playing around with larger format bottles is somewhere that we we want to be for sure we've actually got a pilot plant um, that's sitting in a shipping container um, ready to head this way so a, like a 12 hectolitre um, fermenter and bright beer tank so that we can do some smaller run stuff um, gives us a bit more I guess flexibility and room to play what do you want to, to pilot in terms of what you can't do now? What's the, uh, the fun stuff? Um, oh, look, I mean, probably just to do smaller batches more often. So less volume. You know, our kind of small batches here were about 40 kegs. Um, and often that's kind of a bit much for the kind of things that we actually want to play in. So this gives us you know, sort of 25 kegs, 100 cartons, something like that. So um, it just means we've got a range of tank spaces to, to play around with and, um, yeah. And would that feed the um, tap room prominently? Yeah, it will definitely feed the tap room. So, you know, we've got 10 taps here, 12 taps here. I don't even know anymore. Um, but, yeah, it'll allow us to have definitely more different things on here um, and then yeah a few little bits and pieces and probably allow us to do more for our directly for our customers as well so more for the people who've been supporting us and had our beers on tap and be able to actually make beers with them for them however that looks. I was just thinking in terms of cut price kegs versus people actually working with people to create something you know it kind of makes more sense to me I'd rather get something that's a little bit more expensive that someone's created with thought rather than something cheap um, and you obviously have built relationships over the years is that something that's important to you to keep those relationships going and oh man I think relationships are, is pretty much what this whole industry is built on across kind of all, all sectors so definitely the brewery bar relationship is is absolutely key and um, yeah something that we definitely strive to I guess grow and and cement and all of that kind of stuff. It's um, yeah, I think it's a super important part of obviously getting beer into people's hands. Uh, Pale Ale was a new addition last year, late last year was it? Yes. Early this year. Yeah. <laughs> one, one <of laughs> when did two. it happen? Yeah, <laughs> no, about this time last year, and then yep, impact um, early this year. How has that gone for you guys? Because I feel like I'm seeing it in quite a few places. I had a couple of pints at. Littlefoot Bar the other day, uh, the new courtyard. Shout out to Littlefoot Bar, lovely courtyard. And it seems like it's popping up. Has that been sort of a, a good a good one for you guys? Yeah, look, it's been really successful. Um, I think it's it definitely was again probably exceeding my expectations. Probably sounds like I've got really low expectations <laughs> of everything. <laughs> it's probably actually it's probably about thing, right, yeah. you know. It's probably accurate business, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I think Pale's done done a lot more than I ever thought it was going to. I think it's um it's connected with people and I mean I love drinking it. That's one of the greatest things about it. I think it's um I think it has brought something new to that space. I was part of the thing for me had always been like, why would you put another pale out into the world? Because what can you actually do that is not already being done or that people aren't already drinking, doing whatever. So that was a huge consideration for us. Um, but I think, yeah, I do think it's filled a, it's filled a hole and, and, yeah, people are enjoying it. 
So what did you do that hadn't been done? Well, so it's the oatmeal pale ale um, style. So, yeah, two different types of oats, which just really plays into the mouthfeel of the beer for me. Um, and I think that's kind of the main differentiator. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's just got a really nice hop combo as well um, that just plays up really nice and fruity and tropical and <laughs> all, all of that fun stuff. I think a good pale is super important for anyone. So um, yeah, everyone falls back to it. You can have your palate assaulted and you're going to go back to a Pilsner or a pale to just sit on a little bit. Mm. What has the um, rise of the West in the last few years meant for you guys? I guess, I mean, the rise of the West is just mental. It's um, it's crazy kind of watching it, being a part of it. Um, uh, so before you go on, uh, people that aren't in Melbourne, the West of Melbourne has always kind of been an industrial slash... I don't know, look down upon area, um, but it's changing rapidly, isn't it? So, sorry to interrupt, but carry on. No, that's okay. The, yeah, a massive, massive gentrification, um, massive influx of kind of venues, great beer venues, great food venues, um, and yeah, has grown so much in the last three and a half years since we kind of, you know, obviously prior to that as well, but um, obviously we've watched it since we've been here, and um, oh, it's amazing. It's Obviously, a really engaged online community as well. The Westside Beer Drinkers, and and I think that's um, it's a huge part of of what plays into everything else with the West. Yeah, the Westside Beer Drinkers are an interesting one. They're um, it's a Facebook group, and it's a it is a, I guess an engaged community. Sometimes it's not always positive, but it does get people talking about you know getting a network of places to drink and places to find beer and. Um, and there's a lot of, I guess, industry people on there as well that, that work in the industry and say, you know, hey, beer drinkers, we're going to do this special for you guys or whatever. Um, it's almost an informal network kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they are great at s- supporting venues and, and getting out and getting involved in things and, and events and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they're a very valuable and, and yeah, engaged community, I guess. How much of your beer does sort of, stay within say five or ten kilometers of the i don't have a percentage in the same way some other breweries might but we definitely it the west has always been a massive focus for us and will continue to be for sure um so uh, yeah i'd be struggling to put a number on it but but it's significant i um i love going to the reverence hotel and seeing your beer on tap i think it's on tap in the band room now yes um the last band i saw i could drink Two Birds Golden Ale and it was tasting fresh, you know, f- within I think three or four kilometres of the brewery and it was like the whole, you know, the whole craft beer thing makes sense now in that context. The Rev is one of my personal favourite venues because they were one of my customers back in the day when I was doing sales and they were solid, solid orderers, um, massive supporters. We try to do things for them, we try to help them, we try to, you know, give them stuff. They're like, no, we're good, we just want the beer and... They've been, I reckon, purchasing them from us from f- for five years now. I reckon so. Because they're not a they're not a craft beer venue at all. Um, but I think they have all independent beer on tap now. Uh, but I guess for you guys, that's probably a space where you can play in with, say, a golden ale and a pale ale, where it's not super crafty, but you can get a tap there and people are going to enjoy it. Is that something that's kind of conscious with your brand? Look, I think it's definitely um, an area that that yeah we occupy and that we we're happy in as well i think that's kind of the space it's not the it's not the super crafty places necessarily it's great for these 
places that are, you know, a bit more fringe, but people who actually want to come in and drink something tasty and, and you know, want to have something that's enjoyable and a little bit different without it being hugely challenging without wanting a double IPA or whatever else. So, yeah, totally those kind of more fringe venues are, are definitely, uh, you know, a space that we're really comfortable in. What does your day look like now, uh, three and a half years later, when you were probably doing most of the brewing back then and now um, Wilson does the brewing? Yeah, what do well, you do? we now have a team of uh, four brewers um, plus myself. Um, so, yeah, look, um, very much more big picture stuff these days. So, Danielle and I work on all the design stuff together. Um, so, whenever that's happening, that um, takes up a lot of our time. Um, yeah, a lot of the events side of things. So, you know, the more kind of uh, consumer-facing events, beer, dinners, that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, just direction for the company and, and where we're heading and where we want to be and, and the kind of products and beers we want to be making. So, yeah, new product development across the whole the whole spectrum. And where are you heading? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, there's no big changes in direction coming from us, that's for sure. Um, obviously, just talked about the uh, pilot plant, so a bit more experimentation and a bit more fun stuff in lower volumes coming out. Um, you know, uh, more of the same stuff. It's For us, it's about making really clean, really well-made, well-crafted beers that people want to drink and that they have a point of difference without it being, you know, massively intense or massively challenging. How is the nest going? The nest's great. Yeah, the nest has really kind of hit its straps, I guess, in the last six to 12 months. Kind of the locals have really engaged with it um, and really loving it as a space. We're pretty much booked out between now and Christmas. Um, so, yeah, the nest, is, the nest is wonderful. It's such a great space for us to have and for people to be able to come and, yeah, drink some of our beers and drink some other beers from other breweries that we love and want to support. And So there was a while there where guest taps weren't a feature, but it seems like they're, they're back on the rotation? Yep. Yeah, so... It's obviously we've got these taps and it's great to be able to have, great to be able to support other breweries and, and I guess give people a, you know, another outlet to, to sell their beers through and be able to kind of push things through. So I think we've got some Hop Nation and we've had some Kettle Green on recently. And I, I saw a Bad Shepherd Rye Amber, which was the Staff Series, is that right? Yeah. Something like that. I hadn't heard of that beer. Have you heard of it? I'd heard of it. I haven't tried it though. Hmm. Maybe uh, that could be the next one. You don't have the. Um, there was a weird spring roll. On the menu. <laughs> the what happened to that? The cheeseburger spring roll. Yeah, that was great. Uh, <laughs> chef, chefs kind of rotated that one off, okay. but um, actually, we've got a change up coming of uh, kitchen. So our chef is heading back to the UK. So we'll be taking the food in house as well. So the food's always it has changed a few times yes. over the years. Um, so. Taking in house means what does that look like? Yeah, so I should fill that in more. More, uh, <laughs> I should tell you more information about that. Um, so the kitchen here has always been uh, effectively contracted out to um, to a chef who's done all of the work and, and put together the menu. And so um, effectively, it'll be us looking after that. So the plan is to keep everything 
uh, going as it is and then kind of see where we're at in a little while. Um, so, yeah, we're about to put out an ad for a chef to come and work with us. So, whole new chapter in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there wants a job, it's a lovely place to work. Sitting here in the like the, win- the sun streaming through the windows. Beautiful afternoon. Yeah. You also changed your artwork recently. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed, or actually you showed me, I didn't notice at all. Um, <laughs> the, the packaging links up together. It's like a mural. Did you know this, Dave? I had no idea. If you get there, actually Jane, you tell us. Yeah, so we did a, I guess to coincide with bringing all of the beer in-house, um, we changed up all of our packaging. So we did a bit of a, a refresh on the on the packaging Um and they're, you know, I guess little stories within themselves. So the the um, graphic and also the words on the back of the um, – so the blurb, it's all just about how that beer came to be. Um, and then, yes, all of the beers line up to actually form this little landscape, um, which we thought was pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if listeners go buy one six-pack of each. Yeah. <laughs> And line them up. <laughs> Enjoy the story. If, if only we could convince uh, bottle shops to merchandise them that way. But, uh, you know, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Yeah, that is a tough sell. Unsurprisingly, yeah. that's a hard one to manage. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let, that actually kind of relates to my, my next question where I was in my, my liquor land the other day and uh, I noticed Goose Island were very prominent. Um, Four Pines were very prominent. You're doing a collab with Goose Island. Um, but are there concerns from, from people? Like, players like you where there is a lot of money now moving in and someone like Goose Island's moving in hard. Um, we talked about Panhead. I'm wearing a Panhead t-shirt. I'm wearing a Goose Island hat at the moment as well. Um, the You know, the industry's changing and there's a lot more money. Are you concerned about that? Uh, the industry's changing at a rate of knots and I guess that's one of the things that I could not have sat there three and a half years ago, even six years ago and gone, this is where we'll be at right now. To me, it's just... Every 12 months, everything is so much further ahead than I had expected it would be. Um, look, business is business and I understand that people are going to come in with money and, and that's just uh, that's just the reality of it. I, I think you need to be, <laughs> we use the saying for not specifically this, but alert, not alarmed. I think it's one of those things you've got to be aware of what's going on and, and aware of where you can and can't play in this industry. So you need to understand what your strategy is and where you want to be and how you're going to go about getting there. And in, say, five to ten years, where do you want to be with two birds? Um, oh, look, I mean, I guess we're just kind of plowing. Conservative Jane's going to give her answer here <laughs> and then we'll talk to her. <laughs> we, want <laughs> <laughs> we want Jane just as she's drifting onto sleep going, that would be amazing. Where, would I, where do I want to be? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, look, I mean, obviously we, want, we just want to make as much beer as we possibly can and put it into as many many hands as we can and we want to make beers that we love and share them with people and share the stories and and all that kind of stuff so yeah look we want to we want to make a lot of beer effectively so five years time ten years time massive expansion queen of the west yeah (laughs) yeah yeah look i mean i'd love to be in a situation where we outgrow this place um this will always be home and and would always be maintained for sure but i'd love to i'd love to need more space how far away are you from needing more space (laughs) (laughs) uh it depends on growth really so you know it's very difficult to predict that stuff would um yeah like i said it's hard to know where the industry's heading and 
it's just about being light on your feet, I guess, and adapting to what's happening and, and sort of trying to keep rolling and keep relevant. I think that's probably the hardest thing in this whole industry and, um, yeah, try to make sure that you're there and you're in people's sphere and it's very easy to get forgotten about, I guess. You know, when you're six years in, it's very easy to become irrelevant. Um, That's definitely one thing that it comes up quite a bit where you see a brand and you're like, oh, I forgot about them. I think Red Oak were were similar. We mentioned that. It's like, Mm -hmm. they, you know, and there are, it's probably a hundred breweries that we've drank and at one time they were important and thought, oh, not important, but we thought, oh, wow, these guys are making good beer and then they drift away. Yep. Relevance um, is key. Where, where are you guys, um, what's your spread like outside of Victoria? Yeah, good. We've got um, so two ambassadors on the road in New South Wales. So that's always been strong for us given that, you know, obviously Danny, that's where Danielle's based. Um, so my business partner. So... It's always been a focus for us um, and yeah we have distributors in the other states um, but yeah I mean Victoria is a good percentage of, of where our beer is going New South Wales second and then everything else is kind of down from there. Dave do you have any more questions? I do not. Well let's take a short break and we'll wrap up um, in a second. Okay. Cheers. Welcome back. We have returned. We've just discussed recommendations, mm-hmm. and I think we've got some good ones. Uh, Dave, you haven't heard mine yet. Yeah, well, I'm going to lead with you, Dave. Right. Can you tell us what a non-beer recommendation? Non-beer, absolutely. I'm going to recommend the uh, smartphone application Duolingo. Oh, yeah. I know How did Duolingo. you get by in Italy? Did you, uh, uh, not with Duolingo, Just gestures? No. Yeah, mostly gesturing. Just, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was in Mexico for six months in 2008, which is a long time ago. And a lot of my Spanish is finished. So I felt like it was a waste. Picked up Duolingo. Great app for learning any languages. Very simple. It's free. You can support it in-app if you so desire. Mm. Um, but great structure to pick up the basics and then uh, get to some more advanced applications of the language. I'm slotting right back in where I left off. Not quite. But uh, it's telling me I'm 34% fluent in Spanish right now. So That's a third. It is. If you're rounding generously Rounding up. it up. Always yeah. round it up. Yeah. So um, if you've got any uh, inclination to learn an s- extra language, Duolingo, simple and fun. I have heard awesome things about that. Mm-hmm. It's good. Jane, what do you got for us? So, look, I guess seeing as we've been talking about the West, I have probably a two-pronged thing here. Uh, if you come into the West... Eat at the Plough Hotel. The food is really damned good. And they have all Victorian, uh, I guess, wine and beer. Uh, and if you're nearby, if you want to come nearby the Nest, then the Planetarium is also doing open nights on a Friday night, which uh, they're showing planetarium shows and then also some different kind of art house movies as well. So it's all happening in Spotswood. Art house movies in a planetarium? Yeah. Are they like projected on the dome? Projected onto the dome. That's awesome. Stoners. This is your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a bar, so there is booze, wow. so get on down. What more do you this want? Good. How yeah. long does that go for? Do you know? uh, it's running through until December, I do believe. Nice. That's a good wreck. Yeah, solid stuff. 
I was going to recommend Stranger Things, and Luke says, does that need recommending? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I have been enjoying The Highwaymen lately. The um, super group, the yeah, country music super Willie group. Nelson, Chris Nelson, Christopherson, yep. Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings, and who's the fourth? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, of course. Um, old Golden Tonsil. So on, <laughs> on uh, YouTube, The Highwaymen Live in Las Vegas is if you you Google that, that's the top result. It's a pretty like janky um, VHS rap. Uh, really good concert. Waylon Jennings is great too. He's kind of he's forgotten about. He's great. So yeah, I've forgotten Highwaymen. Yeah, so put on the Highwaymen live in Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, good wreck. Give me some beer, Dave. All right, I'm gonna. It's possible that this might have been recommended in the past, but it would have been years ago. Mountain Goat Hightail, <laughs> <laughs> Pirate Life Pale. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna recommend um, Miss Pinky from Boat Rocker. Okay, we were at a event recently, and um, I don't really want to drink any of the hosts brewery beers and that was available and it made me happy it's coming to the right weather for it um get a bottle it's great it's good 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 wreck jane so this ties into my favorite uh soapbox topic i guess but uh y'all should drink more saisons Goddamn because right you should. I love them and they're amazing and we make them and no one buys them and it's really sad. I don't know. You tell me. I don't understand. Is it the name? Do people not really like... Is it I not an like association of what you expect with the name Saison? It seemed like there was a moment there where Saisons were almost becoming an Australian thing. Like Bridge Road was kind of getting a bit of traction of theirs. And theirs are amazing. Yeah, and then they kind of just kind of... Dropped off a little bit. And I mean, I must admit, it's so obviously we have a saison in our range at the moment, and it's it's a really hard sell because the publicans won't take it because the public don't drink it. So it's um, but they're I think such an amazing style, so much do interest, do? so do you dry. It more towards like wine drinkers, like I don't understand why it's the perfect beer for the Australian climate. Like, I think it needs to get in more restaurants. Yeah, yeah, it's a great food. Yeah, definitely. So great with food. Oysters, cheese, pasta, you name it. It's so good. Charcuterie board, bottle of Saison. Come on. Don't Ro- even. Roast chicken and Saison oh. um, is one of my favourite things. So anyway, mine was more a style recommendation than That's an actual. Good. That's oh, a yeah, good one. Definitely. <laughs> so mine's going to be two beers, but you're going to combine them in the glass. Oh, okay. That's uh, fine. Shout out to Dan from Otter's Promise. Okay. So Lemon Juicy from Three Ravens yep. was uh, launched one of the Juicy series. Sure. Blending that with the new canned acid beer. It's oh, yeah. Acid. It's the um, light, I think it's a kettle sour. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what he sours it with, but it's... Ooh, um, secret, right. Okay. A yogurt culture. Um, oh, no, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can tell you the specific yogurt culture. I'm sure Brendan's... A classic Brendan-specific detail. That yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. Ask Brendan, he'll tell you. Um, so what, 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 what quantity of, like, what ratio? I think pretty much half and half. Half-half. Lemon juice is delicious, and I don't love the New England IPAs we've discussed before, um, but it's quite sweet, whereas the Kettle Sour Easy Drinker will help cut through that. All so right. if you go half and half, you've got a, a pretty intense experience. So by two cans. Dance. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, experimenting? Dan. Jane... If we want to find two birds, where do we do it on the internet? 
Uh, sure, absolutely. We're across all of the usual, so Insta, Facebook. We're not super active on Twitter, if I'm honest, but we're there. You know, no one is anymore, I other, other than Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> but you've got to have it. You've got to have your uh, your hand in there. So, yeah, no, across all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, you can find Danielle and I on there as well, and um, the other bird and Brewer Jane. Um, yeah, Dave. Uh, get me on Twitter and Instagram at Mel but Dave send us an email we got an email recently from someone didn't we (laughs) someone sent you an email yeah Yeah, I haven't had a chance to respond Um, new brewery did I respond I think I might have yeah Yeah. Uh, Neil from Burnley Brewing in Richmond chuffed Um, they're about to to get an email that inbox is pretty empty. So um, <laughs> any notification telling me someone was in there was exciting. Do you have a separate inbox? I just forward mine to my Gmail. I like to feel special. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tell us why you don't drink Saison's at that email address. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear your arguments against it, to be honest. Yeah. How yeah, about you, you Luke? Um, get me at Al of a Time. Find us at alofatime.com. Give us a rating on iTunes. Still haven't had one for ages. If you want that uh, Mike from Panhead upcoming chat, you better sling us a buck or do we uh, have a minimum for five bucks? Five bucks for to that get the chat. chat. It's uh, nothing. One buck gets you a newsletter every week. <laughs> Patreon.com slash all of a time. Best newsletter in the business as well. Yeah. Last week it came out at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's the kind of dedication I have yeah, fair to enough. sending that newsletter. Uh, Jane, thank you so much for joining us uh, and, and sharing your beers with us. Always a pleasure and we look forward to seeing what you guys are up to in the future. Awesome. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.